So we're recording right now. Yeah. I just put it on. Should we talk about our big event that just happened? <laughs> um, Wait, which one? I know. I don't think you know, but you'll know very soon. How one, no other than Stephen Ray Morris. Oh my God. Liking one of our Instagram posts. I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Let's let's revisit memories. Yes, let's. <laughs> so when was this? When did I message you? Uh I'm going to be honest, I don't remember anything anymore. I want to say yesterday, but it was probably it might, two days ago. It might have been two days ago. I'm sitting at home. I don't know why I decided to look at our Instagram page, but there it was, plain as day. Stephen Ray Morris liked your post. <laughs> like, did it come up on your phone? No, like, it did. Oh, you just went into, like, who likes our posts? Yeah. I don't even remember getting a prompt for it, and I just... Yeah, I went in there, I looked, and I immediately started freaking out. Immediately started freaking out. And it was, I think it was like a, around 11.30 or 10, yes, like late. It was, a, it, was, it was around 11.30 I got the message. I didn't read it. No, no But no. I remember in the morning, I don't know if it was, I wake up to pee a lot. And it was like 5 or something, maybe 5.30. It could have been 6, but I want to say in around then. And I'm like, oh, somebody messaged me and it's usually you it always is me. so because um, it just says messenger it doesn't say who it is so then i clicked and i saw that you messaged me and i was got all excited what does she want and then i checked it was like 11 30 and then it was like whenever i woke up and saw that you sent me that yeah that went to pee of course <laughs> and then i couldn't go back to bed because i was so excited and i only wanted to message you back but i'm like i can't because she'll hear it because she keeps care. her phone on and then it was like just before nine or eight o'clock, I was up for good. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I want to message Jenna. I'm like, no, I can't. You can, you are, you have full permission to message me at any time. Really? Yeah, you do. Wow. You do. You ha you have that exclusive access to me. Like I was trying to tell Dexter, like he saw our faces. Yeah. Like our faces, both of our faces. And then he had to double click or just click on the little heart. Like uh -huh. he had to physically action it out he did and i don't care if any it, let's say hypothetically speaking someone is running his instagram page i don't care i know i someone don't think his, his, he i don't i think he's, <clears throat> I think he's a personal. runner yeah he's a runner he's a page runner mm -hmm. like other people like maybe not but he's a page runner and he's dedicated yeah i had to like i i think i told i bawled my eyes up like it was crying yes. i was full-on crying you know what we should just call this episode stephen ray morris we should let's yeah. just do it that's yeah. it stephen ray morris this one goes out to you and your mustache you. yeah and your beautiful self and your perfect self <laughs> <laughs> that was that was beautiful that was beautiful stephen want a cookie <laughs> going in my in my like memory memory mem my memory book Your as memoir? a highlight of my life i was so excited i was like i was saying i was crying tyler had just gotten home from taking bowie out for a walk and um he goes is there, are you okay i'm like it's everything's fine, everything's fine. No i'm trying to get the words out and i explained to him what had happened i'm like the steven 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 liked oops our page and then he's you know t 
Tyler doesn't have doesn't emote all that much. So it's like, cool. All right. Meh. Those are hit the level of his excitement. And I said, it's the equivalent of uh, Sydney McElroy, who is the wife of one of his favorite podcasters. Uh, they do My Brother, My Brother and Me, the McElroy, McElroy brothers, and uh, Sydney co-hosts Sawbones with uh, her husband, Justin. Right. And he loves this podcast. Right. And I said, it, it would be the equivalent of Sydney liking something that you've he done or talk, yeah. talking to you because the six degrees of separation is like so close there. Yeah. Like Karen and Georgia had this man up on stage that I know, night. I was going to say, we saw him. We for realsies. fucking saw him. Oh, did you see that they put, oh, this is, that they posted that episode? No. Yeah. Not so yet. the I, Toronto Sony Center and the one we went to, not the one, not R- Renee. Not Sunny? Sun, Sunny's? Not Sunny's. Not Sundays. S- Saturdays. Oh. Mm, I, wish I know. I kind of wanted to hear sa- Sundays, but mm-hmm. then at the same time, I'm kind of happy that they posted the one we went to. Because let's be honest, our, epi- our episode that featured your story on Renee Sweeney, probably better. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. Let's not start. Let's not start podcast wars. We did it differently. <laughs> we we did. did it differently. It was great. It it was. It was. I, I think that's a great story. I was so excited. Anything you can do, I can do better. No. <laughs> no. Sorry. Went on to the wars again. No. I, I. You know what? It is okay. You're be showing your confidence in this world no. of a tough podcast, true crime world. No, I don't want to fight with them. I want to hug them, hug them and kiss them, squeeze them and love them and and eat them like a spoonful of sugar. Helps I don't know. The true crime go, go down. down. The true crime go, go down. down. The true crime go down. <laughs> I still have to watch the new the new um, <clears throat> Mary Poppins movie. I don't. I heard it's really good. I, don't like I know Mary the Poppins. originals are the best. Stop coming out with fucking bullshit remakes. No, I don't like Mary Poppins. Oh. Never couldn't sit through it. Remember, I didn't see it as a kid. I only watched it later on in life. And then oh. by the time they got to the dancing penguins, like, what is happening? Uh, dancing penguins is what. That's ha- true. Yeah. Shh. Don't question dancing no. penguins, please. I mean, you can. It's fine. Whatever. It's not the dancing penguins. <laughs> it's the whole movie and the fact that why is there dancing penguins? Because Mary Poppins is magic and she can make anything happen. You're Mary Poppins, remember? You and Melissa are like our version of Mary Poppins. And Mary Poppins had to break free mm-hmm. from the comfort of the job she knows <laughs> to open her new arts nace. Yeah! <laughs> are we finally announcing? Are you, are, we're no, announcing are you finally I'm, announcing this? We're announcing. We're announcing. We're announcing, we're announcing my announcement. <laughs> Jen and I worked together for a beautiful long time. Yeah, two years almost. And it was wonderful. And I have left that work mm-hmm. to open my own studio and art school. Which leads us to the whole snace thing. Yes. So Jenna was working on my um, originally like, okay, let's get the graphics down for like my what do you call it? Signs? Logo. Logo, That one. Signs. Logo, that word. And um, she worked so hard. We we sat together for a while. We got excited. We were doing stuff. Then I left. And then Jenna continued working as she does. And she worked so hard. And then she finally found this font that she just loved. loved She loved, she told me about it, how much she loved it. Like, (laughs) and Jenna doesn't do things half-assed. Like, she doesn't take no five, ten minutes. She's got to check every fucking font in the world. Every font. And she was dedicated, pumped, all about this font. And so I showed up, I don't know, a week later. Yeah, I think so. Because you had worked on it for like days, I swear. And she shows me this beautiful font that she had worked so 
hard and tirelessly on. But the font sometimes makes words look different. And the P font did not connect. So it looked like a cursive N because it didn't curve at all into no. the bottom of the P. So it looked like Julie Glode's Art Snace instead of the title that was Julie Glode's Art Space. <laughs> and so I looked at it and I thought, how am I going to tell her that this says Snace when she's so in love with this font? I, I didn't. I was... Okay, in my defense, I loved it so, the font so much that I did not pay attention to um, the uh, 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 look the of it. The snacing between the letters? The snacing between the letters. And I, and it's, uh, I don't even remember what the font, the font that I found was called, but uh, I have a, a weird thing with fonts. I could, I could just be on defonts.com all day just looking through those. You do like fonts. Fucking and then I just remember, like, I was like, it's nice. I'm like, yeah, look it. It's Julie Gold's art snace. And she's like, what? And I think she had tears in her eyes. And I felt really bad. But, I mean, it had to be said. But then she took it like a champ, too, because she started laughing it was really good. hard. Julie Glow's Art Snace. And then we couldn't stop. And we, then we recorded an episode. Yeah, we did. And we didn't even talk about what snace meant. Mm-hmm. And we just kept saying snace instead yep. of space. It became it became an inside joke with no like it, we were your asshole friends yes, at a party a party that you don't like you yeah you we just stood there in a group of people and the two of us just shot the shit together about all this snaciness and up in here and everyone's looking at us like which would happen at a party by the way would, yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so many inside jokes happen because of this podcast and snace is one of them but now you know <laughs> now you know you know all about that snace about that snace about that snace about the snace about the snace and it's a beautiful snace it is you haven't seen it yet no not but i cleaned it today pictures. it's true i cleaned it today it's yeah. so dirty there's so much drywall dust everywhere it's okay it, I, it's gonna happen oh, and i tried to clean that so i tried to clean the outside windows because it's frozen and everything freezes yeah but there's <clears throat> excuse me mud and stuff so i'm like okay i'm just gonna take a rag and clean at least part of it and then I'm cleaning the top, and I'm on a ladder in my condition <laughs> outside, and I'm cleaning the top. But where my sign is, which is not, the, it's the old sign right now from the optical place it used to be there. There's all like um, uh, bird's nests Aww. all in it. I was like, oh, that's cute. I mean, you should clean it up, whatever. Well, I guess it's warmed up, so <gasps> the birds are now back there. So I'm cleaning, and I'm seeing, like, there's a whole fuckload of birds on top. Like, okay, by a whole fuckload, I mean, like, three or four, but that's, that's a, a lot. lot. And they're small, and they're watching me, and they're beep, 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 because they're, like, warning me, like, you are, you are, you're right up there. And underneath, like, I'm, as I'm wiping, like, I'm touching literally the little hay things that are sticking out, the oh. grasses. So the nests are, like all up in that sign Uh oh i know anyway i they didn't kill me but i thought okay. maybe it was going to be an episode of like <clears throat> the birds you mean alfred hitchcock alfred the, hitchcock the, the birds. birds yeah oh, it's a good movie <laughs> yes <laughs> um and then i yeah so i wiped as much as i can i windexed the big ones and i just didn't go back up there because i was scared um but it all froze anyway the windex i knew it would but i just wanted to get most of the stuff yeah out. because it, you know you want people to start seeing it as a space that's being yeah the inside's nice and clean now yeah so just uh, something cool comes its way yeah something cool's coming your way i was cleaning the outside window when a man goes what's going in there
there? And I was like, oh, it's me. <laughs> it's me. I love that. I'm the one. <laughs> it's just me. What are you doing? Nothing. I'm just standing there. I'm going to be in the window and I'll try on different outfits. Yeah. And it'll be a different window display every <laughs> single day. Yes. You anyway, should. I told him it was an art school. He didn't seem, he's like, oh, okay. Oh, what a jerk. Mm-hmm. I don't think he understands the full scale he of wasn't what cool. you're... He wasn't he's, cool. He's not invited. You are going to bring so much coolness to Ajax and Pickering. You have no fucking And idea. glitter. Oh. Yeah, there's glitter in her logo. Yes. Thank you, Jenna. <clears throat> I did that one just for you. Oh, Sanyard. I, I do a lot of things for you because you're, be- you're the best. I'll do you're anything best. for you. I would do anything for you. And I would even do that. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, I'd even I'd do, do that. that. I'd do anything for you and anything you want me to. I love meatloaf. Me too. Yeah, my yeah. first, my first tape. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I didn't buy it. Awesome. I stole it from my brothers, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. I, I get that. I yeah. understand. Why was it that the brothers always got the cool music? Um, I was the third child. I didn't get anything. Oh. Yeah. That's fine. It's okay. That's fine. I got the worn out Spider-Man PJs. Cool. I got the, like, where they're like, it's like thin on all the see-through. Um, I got the old boy bikes that were blue and everything. When all I wanted was a pink unicorn bike with rainbow things coming out of the edge there. You know, the, no. Um, you know. Oh my goodness. Can you ride to work? How far is work to you now? I could maybe it would be it's it works about 10 10 minute to 12 minute drive it's it's still kind of far I'm just thinking you're getting all this new stuff now you could have yourself a new unicorn pink bike if you oh I, I got a new bike last summer oh you did yeah it's oh, like okay. a, it was yeah. half off it was like $800 there we go, bike. Guys. but I can't ride anymore <laughs> oh, by the time the summer comes around not yet <laughs> next summer <laughs> next summer next summer i'll ride right on. your art space announcement we've been every every week it's like hey julie um i don't want to bug you but are you going to announce it just so that i be careful and don't slip up or make sure i edit Oops. out all the times we talked about, about it <laughs> you know what it's because i wanted the website up yeah um it's which coming. is still not up but it's so close yeah we're on i could technically put it up as like a yeah it's almost it's almost there. yeah yeah, even if it was like a whatever. There's a landing page. Yeah, it's like if if the plane needed to land mm-hmm. on like a, a an abandoned runway, yep. you can still see the runway. Yeah, you'll be safe. Yeah, with this landing page. It's just like sometimes some areas are a little bushy. Yes, so yeah. be careful. It's kind of like the seventies. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's but anything you want to tell me about? Before we get into murder? <sighs> well, sorry, we've been away for two weeks. Lots of shit has been going on. Life happens. We're, we're still alive. We are. We yeah. are. We'll we're tell you alive. about it sometime. Yeah. Don't worry. Things yeah. will... We'll so, tell you more about all the things we've been doing on our in our absence. And uh, I don't think we need to explain ourselves further no, than that. Fuck that. <clears throat> Life happens. Love you. <laughs> we do. Like, we're not doing it on purpose, saying like... Yeah, we're not... We're, we're not, not, not doing it because we're lazy. Yeah. It, the shit it's uh it's my last it, week i think it was definitely my fault mm, 
I think it was I wouldn't have been able to do anything. I was just so busy with just just, just stuff. Like, it, it, yeah, we're not neglecting. It's just there are things happening uh, with Julie opening her space and with that transition and other things we won't mention uh, right now. But it's a whirlwind of being adults and having to adult really hard and this podcast unfortunately becomes the thing that has to get put on the back burner but yes we're still gonna do it anyways like this is super fun this is a not only like a great hobby but also sort of like a great side business for us too we just get to shoot the shit and hang out and whenever it happens it happens yeah it's like we've never been apart and we never will Mm -mm, ever so um, Without further ado, welcome to The Art of Murder. I'm Julie. I'm Jenna. This is a murder podcast. No, this is a podcast about murder. And a little bit of art. That one. <laughs> sometimes there's lots of murder. And not a lot of art. And sometimes there's maybe a lot of art. And still lots of murder. <laughs> <laughs> we like to keep things loosey-goosey here. Loosey-goosey, lemon squeezy, and... <gasps> This is our new 2019 <laughs> March version of it. <laughs> yeah. Muck. Yeah. Ing. Yeah. Murder. Murder. <laughs> art. Bird. Mocking murder. Art. Bird. bird. That movie played. Wow, shit. Is it still working? It's working. Fuck. <laughs> that movie played on TV the other day. Can yeah. I do this? Yeah. And I, um, and I watched it and it was awesome. I tried to watch the second one, like the Dumb and Dumber oh. 2. It's not. No, I'm so sorry. I don't know if I've seen Dumb and Dumber 2. You don't want to. <clears throat> Just keep with the original. The magic is still there. Oh, it's brilliant. The magic is still there. Um, I think I go first this week because I, I don't remember. Yeah, I do. Cause yeah, I did start. Eight. You did. So I'm, I'm first. <clears throat> Mine's such a bummer. <laughs> Mine's lighthearted and lovely. Excellent. For the most part. Because you know when you start writing a story? Yeah. And you're doing it because you don't have that much time. And then you're like, oh, this is going to be a good story. And then you read it and you're like, that's pretty fucked up. Well, I'm just going to write it. Then you're writing it and you realize you really shouldn't be doing the story. (laughs) You should always be doing that story. People need to know. Okay, good. Thank you. People need to know about it. Good. I'm so happy. I'm going to bum you guys out. Well, let I'll. Yeah, let's let's end off on a bummer note. Okay. (laughs) Don't worry, he got caught. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad that I know it's a he. Um, or she. Or she. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. Tell me about your murder, Jenna, and I'll well, shut the fuck so up. So this is a different, it's a little bit different. I've okay. been wanting to do this for a while because, uh, let me give you a little bit of backstory. Uh, I got to go see this really cool art exhibit back in the summer, and one of the pieces that I got to see had something to do with a well, a pretty famous case here in Canada. And it inspired me to want to talk about this artist and the 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 case that 
has just a little bit to do with it. So today I want to talk to you about Rebecca Belmore. Rebecca Belmore <clears throat> is an Ojibwe member of the last Sewell First Nations. I apologize in advance if I screw any uh, names up and pr- pronounce pronunciations. I did try to look up how to pronounce certain things, but good for um, you. Yeah, I just thought it was respectful. I know it's true. <clears throat> it's, it's hard because like I have such a hard time pronouncing anything, right? Yeah. Um, but I know in like this case and stuff, you want to like. I think it's respectful. You know, as a Canadian, it's high time that we show a certain like a, a, a like effort to yeah. You know, you you know what I mean. Yes, hundred <clears throat> percent. So. I wanted to be, you know, on the ball on this one. So Rebecca was born March 22nd, 1960 in Uppsala, Ontario. She's an Anishine Beck. <clears throat> Sorry, one sec. She is an Anishine. Oh, my God. She is an Anishine Beck artist who specializes in politically conscious and socially aware performance art and installation art. You will see many themes expressed in her work, but and I'm taking this right from Wikipedia. Yes. Her work addresses history, voice, and voicelessness, place, and identity. She confronts the challenges for First Nation people in her work. Nice. Her work has been displayed all over Canada, the U.S., Mexico, Cuba, Australia, in, and in 2005, she received an honorary doctorate from OCAD University in recognition of her career. Nice. I thought that was pretty awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Rebecca had a difficult time during her adolescence. She was sent to high school in Thunder Bay, which did you know that like Thunder Bay has some of the most murders and missing people in Canada? I did not know that. I knew something about missing people, but I yeah. didn't think it had the most. It, it's got to be most per capita. One of. One of. It, yeah, I think it might be per capita. There's a uh, really great podcast out that's just called Thunder Bay. And it's done by the CBC. And it talks about just some of the corrupt things that, are, that have been going on and basically how much it's been getting swept under the rug and really opens That's door. crazy because I believe it because it's so, it's so <clears throat> isolated out there. Yeah. And so that's where she went. She went to Thunder Bay, uh, basically a residential school. Um, you know, she was forced to go there by our turd-munching Canadian government. Mm. Tisk tisk. We're working on it. Uh, which also meant that she had to stay with a non-Native family. So the Jessica Bradley Gallery made mention, she has shown her work in this gallery before, that as a result of her experience as an adolescent, notions of displacement and cultural loss are quote-unquote, reformed into acts or objects of uh, reparation, reparation, yes, and protest within her various works. Um, I think her summer spent with her maternal grandparents actually helped preserve that sense of belonging and culture. Yeah. So she would go up and live in the north in northern West Ontario with and her grandmother, who was very still, was still very much attached to the culture and sticking with native traditions taught her how to fish and how to use the land that's cool yeah and i think that's something i mean with any grandparent passing down that kind of stuff it's so important yes we don't ever want to get rid of that history and that culture um and she only spoke ojibwe so her grandmother specifically only spoke Ojibwe. Um, do, 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 do. Her grandmother was a, a really big influence on her life and the work that she did. 
She would also travel to visit her mother's birthplace on a small island in northern Ontario, which was a, had a huge impact on her work, too, having to travel up there, seeing where her, her mother grew up and the struggles her own mother had to go through. Do you know what island? No, I didn't look uh, too much into it. There, I think because she's still living, there's little about her personal life because she talks about it in interviews sometimes. There's not a huge... Um, I, I did get a book from the library a long, long time ago that was uh, a little bit of an autobiography about Rebecca Bel- Belmore, but it was mostly about her artwork and talking about what the meanings behind each of them were, not much about her upbringing. I think I think you get a good idea of what her upbringing was and the struggles that she went through with just, just a little bit of... of what I found on Wikipedia. So uh, I also got all my information from Wikipedia, Murderpedia, um, the Toronto Star, and Farts. I forget the other one. <laughs> mm, it was a... Whatever. <clears throat> Anyways. But around this time that she started to um, develop who she was, mm-hmm. she actually had dropped, decided to drop out of school, which was the school she went to in Thunder Bay was predominantly white. So of course she's going to be feeling ostracized and not like losing herself, losing that culture. Yeah. And when was it in like the seventies or eighties? She was born yeah. in 60 something. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Okay. So That's she harsh. decided we, it, it was. And unfortunately, like we've talked about this before, it's not taught enough in schools. And I no, still not now. Yeah, it needs to be. It needs to be a mandatory part of our curriculum, I think, in our history. 110%. So after working a couple of odd jobs, she returned to finish school. And when she went back, she was actually encouraged by one of her her art teachers to submit a drawing she had done to this like local art contest. And she won. And because of this push from her art teacher and like getting on her case to continue working and creating she actually applied to OCAD and was accepted so she went to OCAD and she received that honorary doctorate as well um she graduated in around 1987 okay from OCAD so it was when she was going to school here this is sort of where she started to hone in on this idea of performance art and she started developing this alter ego called high-tech TP trauma mama it was every indigenous stereotype that that white people had d- just made, made yeah. um, and created this character based all around these stereotypes. And she would go and perform in the streets randomly. Um, oh. Yeah. It, it, I didn't, there's no, there's not a video that I found, but just kind of reading about this description, it's a perfect, like, right. this, is, this is the first step of where her art is taking her right now and what she's trying to accomplish. Um... The beautiful thing about, and and I think you'll definitely agree with me. The beautiful thing about art is that it can be a host to so many important themes. Mm -hmm. Personally, even though I haven't been exposed to as much art as like you or the people that I get to work with all the time, I find that Belmore's work holds so much power with how she executes it in what she's trying to get across. These performance art pieces, the actual physical art pieces that she makes. She works with so many different mediums and each one, you feel the power in what she's trying to say. Yeah. Like it was very powerful watching and walking around 
her exhibit and it really it brought me to tears to hear these messages and hear her cry of like not cry but she doesn't want to totally be a voice for the indigenous people like and she even states i'm not the voice for it i'm just trying to put what i feel into my work like i actually have a quote she's like her voice yeah it's like in her life um, here, this is the quote from the Toronto Star that I got. Okay. So this is the, uh, the journalist who wrote this article. When asked if she felt the world had finally caught up with her, Belmore told a story about speaking recently to a class at the University of Victoria. One of the students asked me, don't you get tired of always representing your people? And she laughed. I don't represent my people. I'm not a chief. I'm an artist. But there is a responsibility there and one I have to take very seriously. She smiled. I don't mind being an Indigenous artist and a non-Indigenous artist. I thought that was a pretty powerful mm. statement. Like, she isn't a chief, but she is speaking her message. Yeah. I was captivated by her work this past summer and wanted to talk about a few of the pieces that I saw there, and one in particular, which will be the last one I talk about because mm-hmm. it has some relevance. Uh, so Pelican Falls, <clears throat> which featured denim sewn together in this long wavy pattern that almost looked like a river, was inspired by a collection of pictures from 1950 of a group of boys at the Pelican Falls Residential School in the summer heat. So you're seeing these boys sort of peer off into like a river. They're all huddled together, but it's scorching hot out. You see sweat and they're they wore these denim uniforms, school uniforms that actually strikingly resembled prison uniforms like but out of denim in the heat of summer? It's, yes. Yeah. Gross. So she sewed together pieces of denim to make to this long... To represent from this photograph. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, and it's really cool. Um, now, what would you think if you saw a log with 1,181 nails stuck in it? Like, okay, just like, what, like if I was walking out? Or yeah. If, yeah, like... What that represents? 1,181 nails in it? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I just, uh, to me, I'd be like destruction of like um, nature. Like who's who's abusing this tree? <laughs> Son of a bitch. I mean, it's been cut it was, down. I mean, it's. I think it was driftwood. Okay, I driftwood. I think the piece, piece was driftwood. So it was already dead. It was just sort of like. I don't know. Somebody was bored? That, yeah. I mean, I would think it's creepy. I definitely think it's creepy. Yeah. But like. I think if I'm walking around, like if I saw that in an art piece, it's an art piece. Then Sorry, I would. I should make, let, let me let me fucking. Well, I was gonna say like then I would I would obviously think it has a deeper meaning. Yeah. So, do I know the artist? Do I not know the artist? Do I know the meaning? Does it mean that this is like how many people have suffered through yeah. something or died <gasps> oh, through something? I'm sorry. What did you say? I said the word suffer. Maybe. But you, um, I think you hit the nail, nail on, on the, the head. head. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I, I think I originally thought this is just like a, what's the word? Um, like those ink block paintings? No, I'm. T- <laughs> what do you when, see when you when you ask a question? A rhetorical question. Sorry. Oh, I meant this is a rhetorical question. Oh, you didn't want an answer? No, I, but I was actually then I got curious right on the spot. Oh, okay. right then and there. I was like, well, I I, and then I'm trying know. to think like, she's talking about art, but does she want me to think about just if I'm literally rocking around in public, not in public? I probably should have preference, preference that, preference that, preference. Yeah. You, can, you can make up words here, Jenna. It's a safe space. Uh, <laughs> it's a safe snace. <laughs> this, this is our snace. You are walking. Oh, let's, do, let's role play this. Okay. Okay. Your team 
have just walked into a giant art exhibit and standing in front of you is a piece of washed up log with 1,181 nails stuck to it. Oh, and a sculpture? What do you do? Roll the dice. Anyways. Um, I take out my forensic fingerprint powder <gasps> and dust the nail heads. You roll a 20. That's a crit. You, It passes. It resolves. Yes. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> Drink my chamomile tea now. Um, this piece that you're looking at in this gallery. Okay. Yep. I'm there. It's called 1181 or 1181. And upon reading this description, you find out that a, a report from the RCMP stated hmm. this from 2014. Mm-hmm. There were 1,181 unresolved investigations involving missing and murdered indigenous women. Holy fuck. I mean, I know there's a lot, but. Yeah, but this is between 1980 and 2012. So that's an average of. 36 women per year who have no ending to their story like they have they families don't know what ha- what's happened to them and this is an ongoing thing here in canada that is always is being talked about a lot and as yes. it should be yes um and it just it really blows your mind when you think of that statistic of 1181 women indigenous women who are missing or murdered we have We've no, we've nothing. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit, but there's nothing. It's fucking horrible. It's really awful. And this is from the, the 80s. Like, this is in my lifetime. This is only 32 years, a span of 32 years. Can you believe that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, like in my lifetime, that's that's the way, that's way too many. It, way too many. No. Yeah. Okay, there, there's no... It's hard. I'm trying to even put words right now, and I'm like, there's nothing. There's nothing I could say. We feel it. Yeah. We feel it inside yeah it's sometimes. like dead a little deadness yeah 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 um uh so belmore nailed 1181 nails into this log to represent the missing and murdered indigenous women here in canada and the sad part is the that number isn't slowing down there are st- it's still not on the rise i should say more resources are put being put in to help find yeah the missing and murdered in indigenous women and women over all over Canada. But, you know, it's <sighs> anyways, it's hard. We're going to get, I don't want to get too political in this yeah. episode, but you, you get, yeah, you get what I mean. It's just um, such, which we've talked about before. Like it's such a huge deal and a mm-hmm. huge topic that it's like you, you go into it. You're still not going to give it justice. No. Yeah. And that's why I think that's why earlier when I said that I believe art is the perfect host for these type of themes, I sincerely stand by that because it we could dialogue. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it is. You could have a politician stand up in front of you and preach and speak volumes and show and tell you facts. Yeah. But it sometimes it doesn't open that door of empathy when I feel where I feel like art is a great way, a great platform to open that open yourself up to em- be empathetic towards this yeah. and under and really understand the weight of it. And maybe that's just us because we're creative people in general. And yeah, that's true. I guess I guess some people like the cold hard facts yeah. and maybe that that helps us. But to us like we're more visual. Yeah. We're visual feelers. Visual feelers. Mm-hmm. Visual hey, feelers. Baby. 
let's be some visual feelers inside of us yeah and it does and and julie's 100 right like it starts a conversation i think yeah. that's some, it's one of the most important things about art and culture in general yeah. okay moving on yeah okay because this is going to get a bit more depressing oh great sorry the other that wasn't already there but uh her other piece that i also want to talk about was very beautiful in both the imagery and the message so it was called fringe and it's this photograph of a woman on her side back towards the camera who has a cut from her upper shoulder that swoops curved down to the back of her tailbone it's coarsely stitched together with red string dangling from the scars and i i had to take this right from her website because of course the artist is going to tell you yes. exactly how it is in the best way yes. possible as an indigenous woman my female body speaks for itself some people interpret the image of this reclining figure as a cadaver however to me it is a wound that is on the mend it wasn't self-inflicted mm. but nonetheless it is bearable she can sustain it so it is a very simple scenario. She will get up and go on, but she will carry that mark with her. She will turn her back on the atrocities inflicted upon her body and find resilience in the future. The indigenous female body is, a, is the polarized body, the historical body. It's the body that doesn't disappear. And I thought that was like oh, so fucking brilliant. She is so well versed. Yeah. Like she, I feel like, could I write something that deep? You could. You definitely could. But I think Maybe. you have to you have, you have to, to be feeling it. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. And there was there there was a lot of other pieces there. Mm-hmm. I, I like there's one where there's this little body girl and her hair her black hair is like folded all over like a feather on the ground and she's wearing this sweater that says I think it was fuck natives. Uh, like uh, it printed right. on the back um and then there was another one where it's a chair a chair and this b- giant duvet quilt just toppled over the chair with like a blood stain oh. and each of the squares was a represent was representative of an a certain amount of indigenous missing and murdered women right um like there was so many really poignant i wish i would have seen this show i'm I'm sorry you were sick that week. We took the we took oh, the camp there. That was the week. That was that. Oh yeah, yeah. I had hand, foot, and mouth disease. Yeah, I'm and I know. And the the hard part was, is I know how much you would have appreciated being there, and and the way you would have spoke to our the girls who were in in our camp. I think too they would have felt it even more than they did. Like you could see that they were retaining the information about what, why th- these pieces were creating, what the message was about. But you have a really good way too of also describing certain political situations, whether it has to, it's to do with women's rights or indigenous rights that through explaining it through why that art piece was created and what the message was, you would have done a really good job of. It's very nice of you. Well, I'm just say. telling you the truth. Oh, um and it was just it was probably one of my favorite art exhibits i've seen up until this point in my life it was beautiful and i fucking i saw monet's original work at 12 years old and it changed my goddamn life forever it's up there like this this exhibit was up there um so the one piece that this story came about from is called vigil and I, it, it actually brought me to tears inside while I was watching it. And I highly recommend everyone, if you can go out, go 
like search on YouTube Vigil Rebecca Belmore 2002 because it's fucking beautiful. Um, I've never really appreciated performance art. I think because I there there was that stigma of performance art versus physical art, like right. installation and stuff. I don't fully understand it. Maybe I, I hadn't or haven't experienced it to understand the full scope of it. And I think that's something like knowledge is so powerful. Understanding instead of yes. being just naive to it makes well, and if you, yeah it's hard to understand sometimes too mm-hmm. if and you're like what the fuck is going on um because you say performance art and you can see in people's face the con that like instant really are you kidding me we're going to performance art you know yeah that. is it really art like that's something and i mean some people do some really fucked up shit yeah, like <laughs> i mean those things are like borderline okay are you just really fucked up or are you trying to do you know all well, the mousies out we got to pause for a moment. So Vigil uh, yeah. was done at the Talking Stick Festival, uh, Full Circle First Nations Performance Fire Hall Theater. And it like right downtown East area in, in Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada for all you <laughs> other people that don't live here. Um so how do I describe how maybe should I describe what is happening or should I let people what do you think do you want me to give you a little bit of a descriptor of what this was or maybe like a like a Jenna's notes of it Jenna's notes so like gotcha so Rebecca too into it so that people can kind of maybe see it in themselves but give us the intrigue yeah to go and search okay so Rebecca Belmore she does some stuff in the beginning that is very important but the main part of it that really grabbed my attention she's in this red dress and she starts nailing parts of this red dress to this telephone pole and pulling herself away from it like she's being trapped by this nail and ripping the dress to get away from it and leaving the dress pieces on this pole and she goes through it and what like once she does it until the dress is completely in tatters on this pole all of it every single piece of it and she's naked and she just stands there and she i can't remember if she washed her body before or after but all on her body there's names and she calls and yells out all of these different names and it was all the names of the women missing or murdered both indigenous and also just women um, that had gone missing in that area around this time and she shouts it out and I was I, even just watching it. I was like, this is beautiful. I love this. And it was our boss who pointed out, did you read the description on about this piece? And I said, no. And I go, because oh, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't care because it was so beautiful. I sort of understood the majority of what she was trying to say. There was more to it, of course. And I went and read it. And around this time in 2002, let me just pull my notes up here. Here so we go. So this, just to be clear, you went this past summer in 2018, mm-hmm. but the this vigil piece was from 2002. And it was a video of it. Like video, it was a video yeah. inside yeah. Um, the AGO. Yeah. And the AGO stands for the Art Gallery of Ontario. Yeah. If anybody doesn't know. <laughs> Sorry about that. Located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. 
So in the description of this piece, there was a paragraph about a very famous case that was taking place around this time. So this is 2002. Right. For years, many women, including indigenous women, had been going missing around Vancouver's downtown east side with no answers as to what happened. Well, we're finally going to get some answers. On February 22nd, 2002, Robert Picton was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder and later an additional 20. His body count is estimated at around 49 women. So who is Robert Picton? Son of a bitch. Yep. Fuck a duck. Fuck a duck. So this vigil piece mentions Robert Picton and how so many women around this time had just disappeared without a trace. And most of them were sex workers. Mm -hmm. And there was this struggle between the RCMP, the police, and the public about what was going on with these cases. Nobody, Nobody had any answers. And to me, this vigil piece was sort of bridging that gap to talk about it in a different way instead of just shouting at people, like just shouting at the the investigators going like where the fuck is our answers it was more or less like we are crying out we 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 need help we need you to help us in a sense and the the piece itself isn't really relate like it's not directly related to robert picton but the women he killed Mm -hmm. she talked about them Mm -hmm. so who was he robert William Picton, or Willie as he was known, was born in 1949 and ran a farm with his brother in Port uh, Coquitlam. Coquitlam? Yes, Coquitlam, B.C., around 17 miles east of Vancouver. Now, because there are still active investigations going on involving Picton, we don't know a ton about his upbringing because of Canadian publicity laws. Now, this is another reason why the RCMP and investigators probably couldn't release much detail about the women who were reported missing or had been murdered because of this publicity law. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm assuming so. Murderpedia had a few inklings of that throughout some of the articles. Right. Um, I would highly recommend, I'm going to throw a shout out again to last podcast and left. Those boys over there, They're doing the work of the universe, I'm telling you. They did a four-part series on Robert Picton, and it is so fucking good. Uh, It's terrible, but it's so fucking good. The amount of research that they did, they really get into his backstory, what they can find. Like, I found out that Robert Picton had actually written an autobiography, smuggled it out of prison. Somehow it got thrown up on Amazon to be sold, but then immediately taken off. So it's, there are some copies of it out there. So I don't know if they somehow got their hands on it, but they just, uh, they just did a very, very good job. So if you really want more detail, I'm just giving you the Jenna notes of this case. Please go listen to that. Those four episodes. They're so, so good. Um, but here are my, oh, I already said, but here are my cold, here, these are the Jenna notes. I'll re- repeat that again. He's a third generation pig farmer. He had, he had just kind of given up raising pay, pigs full time. Uh, and instead him and his siblings sold part of their land for an estimated $5.16 million. So this guy was fucking filthy rich. Wow. But he was, uh, he was just gross. Like he was, he lived in the most disgusting 
living conditions he was really dirty and they had like this giant boar on their farm that was like their watchdog he would go up to people and bite the shit out of them if they were like even friends yeah he it was it was weird um, in 1960, or sorry, in 1996, Robert and his brother started a not-for-profit charity organization called the Piggy Palace Good Time Society. Oh no! If that's not murder party, I don't know what it is. Like what it is? What seriously? The like fuck is that? The Piggy Palace Good Time Society. Yeah, folks, come on down to the Piggy Palace Good Time Society where we're gonna throw Sounds parties. Like some weird fucking sex club, basically, because that's what it was. In a way, they would host over two thousand people at these events. Even like the Hell's Angels would come by and hang out, and it was a fucking rave and a half. Drugs, drinking, orgies, the whole nine yards. Oddly enough, in 1997, Picton was charged with the attempted murder of Wendy Lynn Ice Tetter. Ice Tetter. Damn it. Picton had handcuffed her and stabbed her several times. Whoa. Yeah. Luckily, she escaped after okay. getting away and stabbing Robert go, himself. Girl. Yes. With his own knife. With the own... Fuck yes. Yeah. He was released on bail, however. Of course. And a year later, the charges were dropped. Oh, Canada. Your criminal justice systems really sucks. Relax. Please fix your shit and lock them up till they fucking die. Please. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> now, why is this odd? Well, with these parties that they were having and all this money that they got, one of the workers on this farm started noticing that women would show up and then not leave not leave (gasps) i just finished your sentence i'm sorry no it was perfect because you basically (sighs) read my mind or you saw what i was about to read either way you're magical i am magical (laughs) i mean i didn't i didn't see your ipad that's okay i didn't you knew you knew i knew you knew in your brain um but here as a side note later on when when he was arrested and the more stuff came out about this investigation. It was kind of, it was reported that one of um, Picton's first known victims was a missing woman from 1978. Her name was Patricia Gray, but she wasn't reported missing until 1996. What? Yeah. Yeah. But that's as much as I know about that. Uh, In February, 2002, the police executed a search warrant on the Picton property for illegal firearms. Nothing else, just, just firearms, which was smart because you're not, you're not, um, trip it, tipping them off in a sense. You're just like, oh, we think you might have illegal firearms. Well, they found a lot more than illegal firearms. That's fucking for sure. And they took Robert into conduct, into custody. He was formally charged and arrested on February 22nd, 2002, at first, investigators had a hard time collecting evidence from the property. Besides finding personal belongings from a few of the missing women, there was little to no DNA evidence. Why? Hmm. Well, one of the big key pieces of evidence was a freezer on the property that was found to contain the body parts of two female victims. But it was Picton's confession 
of how the women were murdered that would reveal the most gruesome part of this whole case and would fuck up a lot of the DNA evidence. Yeah. Picton would handcuff and stab most of his victims with a few dying from antifreeze injections. Once dead, Robert would take the bodies to a meat rendering plant mm-hmm. nearby or grind them up right on the property and feed them to his pigs. He also claimed that he had given some of this ground up meat to friends and family. But no evidence has been found to back up this claim. Robert Picton was sentenced on December 11th, 2007 to life in prison with no possibility for parole for 25 years. The maximum punishment for a second degree murder in Canada. Yep. Yep. How old is he at this point? I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, I get, let's see. He He's was, 60. When was he born? Uh, 1949. Oh, 1949. Did I say that? 1949? 1949! So he's 58 when he got sentenced. So when he's 83, he could be up for parole. (laughs) That's not happening. This guy is just gross. Yeah. He's going to die before that. But although not directly related, I think we're... Rebecca's vigil performance was a very important was very important for a time where communication between public and police was being scrutinized. Like I had said earlier, there was a lot of backlash from both sides. People they weren't uh, investigators weren't dis- disclosing certain pieces of information or letting the families know about things, and the public were just breathing down the investigator's throats about like what the fuck is happening and i think that's sometimes where lines get blurred there's only so much that um that our our uh, police people yeah that too all of it all (laughs) the all the legal mumbo jumbo and people mumbo jumbo there's only so much they can do and yes of course there are so many cases out there of mishandled uh evidence cases and and, stuff yeah and mistreatment of of um uh prisoners or or people that have been arrested there are there's so much work that needs to be done but i think vigil is a way for us to have a conversation about the the process of how certain cases are handled and that it is important that we recognize the victims that are the one at the end of the day, the ones who fucking suffered the most. And, you know, I, I don't speak for Rebecca and I, I love her fucking work so much. I I've become a huge fan, but I think what she's basically, I don't know, maybe her message is really, we all just have to really work together to make it work. Just it in general, it can be anything. 100%. If everybody comes together, you know, even if you're not to say regular people should just go do police work, but, but I mean like community, even if you're not somebody in law enforcement, you know, that bond, that whatever way you can do it Mm -hmm. to help just have talk to people. Yeah. Just have a, start a, a positive, let's start a positive conversation. Let's talk about how we, even though we have nothing to do with um, certain certain turns of events, how can we just be better people? Like, just say hi. The next, here's what I challenge everyone to do. The next time you are in a restaurant or a retail shop, just go up to the, just go up to whoever is talking to you and say, how's your day doing? How's your day going? It's as simple as that. A fucking smile can make a world of difference. Yeah. That's all. 
and don't murder people, please. Yeah, that's that's a really <laughs> good one, too. And create yeah. lots of artwork. No, that too. Put your message into artwork. Yeah. Why don't you put it in your arch? <laughs> your motherfucking arch. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Anyways, that's my story about well, Rebecca that's Belmore. awesome. You arted that shit up real good today. Thanks. I've been wanting that to. That was that fucking hardcore art and hardcore fucking knowledge that's been dropped. Mm-hmm. And then you just like slid in a little murder there. A little bit. I was like, okay. And then you just did it. Like that was a good combo action. Thank you. That's enough art to get us through the next three or four weeks until I... Perfect, because mine is not fucking artsy <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm excited to hear what this disgusting, horrible story is it's, all about. Uh, it's fucking... Anyway, I'm going to pee. pee. All right. I mm. meant to look up how to say this. Actually, there's a lot of words that I don't know how to say, but we'll try to avoid them. Okay. Let me tell you the story of the vampire of Rio. What? So before I start, I'd like to tell you that I got my information from the world's most bizarre murders. And I fact-checked a little bit on Wikipedia, which had more information on, which I did not add, and uh, then Murderpedia as well. But pretty much everything is from this book. So let me paint you a picture, Mm. as we like to say. I'm going to close my eyes. This is a little history lesson. Mm. A million people live in the slums of Rio de Janeiro. One of the most notorious parts, or the slum area thingies, is Rocinha. I could be saying that completely wrong. Uh, it kind of crawls down a hillside that overlooks these like rich high rises and beaches of Sao Conrado. So it's like a very much uh, like haves and haves not, have not. Okay. Okay. Rich people, poor people, line, line drawn in the middle, essentially. It's very sad. Tons of homeless kids uh, roam the streets. So Rosinha, Rosinha, whatever, has an estimated 150,000 people. This is the slums, okay? It's a drug war ridden zone since the co- cocaine industry started in like the early 80s. Uh, big deal. Tons of children were either recruited to be part of like the drug armies, mm. like child soldiers, um, and they would like help with the turf wars and they were killed during that or also just regular kids were just killed by being innocent bystanders because like they didn't care. Like it was just like everywhere and you just they didn't care whoever was in the way of the bullets were in the way of the bullets between december 1987 and november 2001 3,937 children died violently these are the violent deaths that have been recorded so just under 4,000 children that's a short time period that's a short amount of time short time and like i know some of these areas are horrible yeah and they're still horrible today, but I don't, I didn't know how bad it was. And I still don't know, even though I am reading this, I still don't know how bad it is. And it's insane to think that these are people's lives. Yeah. This Especially is children. All you I know. Mean everybody. Yeah. It's fucked. Oh, so how, so what, so it was between 1987 and t- November, 2001. 1987. So that's a span of 14 years. 14 years um how many how many deaths do you say roughly 3937 that is 281 people per year children children dying violently that died that that's fucked that's a lot it gets worse uh kids who don't run drugs 
uh, because remember it's the slums, there's no jobs and stuff. They're mm-hmm. forced to survive any way they can, so they scavenge for food, sell gum, polish shoes, steal, mug, and then sometimes they're forced, even regular kids, I'll say regular kids, I'm sorry to say that, I mean kids that aren't part of the drug war, Right. they're still forced to kill. It's almost mm-hmm. like kill to survive. So it's like survive, not survival of yeah. the fittest, but kind of, you know? Yeah. Um, now kids, because the kids were in this these armies, Kids were killing each other. Kids were killing other kids because they were in their way. Kids were being blamed for the increased crime rate in this area. Right. Um, So no one felt like no one out of this area felt bad for these kids. They're like, well, you fucking did it. You're fucking the problem. All this. Um, They were despised. Often they were beaten, abused or attacked if they were seen by others. So Rio was one of the murder capitals in the world. And apparently it was the kids' fault. So check it. In the 19... 1990s. They made these squad teams to help exterminate the problem. It was so bad they didn't know what to do. It was just all fucked up. So off-duty police officers and security guards would get paid and hired to clean up the streets. So what they would do is they would go out and they would execute, like capture some children and they would execute kids. And they were saying at least four kids a day were being executed by these people, by police officers. Without any sort of proof or evidence or anything or just just kind of like... Yeah, I guess if they, in the wrong place, wrong time, whatever. And I guess maybe that would help scare them off the streets or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a fucking horrible place. That's awful. Everything about this is awful. Now, the one, I'm going to say this in a, how do you say it? Not a joking manner, but like the one perfect condition this makes for Mm -hmm. is a serial killer. Yeah. Who perhaps likes to kill young boys. How are you going to go and ever get caught? Marcelo Costa de, de Andrade. That sounded beautiful. Thank you. Could be wrong. Yeah. Was born January 2nd, 1967. Okay. But at this point, uh, he was a young adult and the kids in a time that you can't trust anybody, you can't trust, especially adults, all the kids trusted him. Mm-hmm. He lived most of his life on the streets and now he was 23, lived at home with his mom and spoke uh, very soft spoken. He was gentle mannered and was essentially a harmless looking son of a bitch. He looked, you know, kind, like, whatever. Cool yeah. dude, right? Uh, regularly attended church. Red flag. And loved oh, yes. <laughs> loved talking to children about his love for God. Second red flag. Mm-hmm. So growing up in the Rosinha slum, maybe it's Ja, Rosinja. There's an H there. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. I'm going to say Rosinha, and that's just what it's going to be. Sekwa. So growing up in the Rosinha slum, he had no food, no running water, constant abuse, barely went to school, uh, and spent most of his time begging for money. And when he was 10, he ran away from home for the first time. And by the time he was 14, he started selling himself to adults Mm, for cash. I was was wondering when that was going to make an appearance. Yes. Um, the few times he'd return home, he'd get beaten and he got sexually assaulted. Uh, so his parents were, as a history, like his parents were very abusive. His dad was abusive and it was just a horrible situation. Eventually his parents split up mm-hmm. and then they got step parents. So I think she got either remarried or whatnot. And then the step parent 
abused him and I think sexually assaulted him as well. I'm not too sure. He was just, it's just not a good a situation. A lot of fucked up childhood stuff. Yeah. 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 Lots of, a lot, couple ingredients for that perfect recipe for a serial killer happening. Yes. And he also went, at one point he went, he was sent to boarding school and that wasn't good. And then he eventually ran away from boarding school. And again, it was like part of this like hustling and he's basically trying to survive a world where he doesn't understand how to navigate like a real human being. Yeah. It, it, like because he's privileged to, to. Yeah. Yeah. That's your whole life. Yeah. Um, fucking brutal. So at 16, he moved in with an older dude, but was eventually thrown out. And then he went to live with his mother in another real slum. This guy, by the way, there's theories that it was just possibly his boyfriend. Oh, okay. Unsure, but then maybe sure. At 17, he raped his 10-year-old brother. He also started listening to tapes he had made of his brother crying over and over and over. That's fucked. It's like I didn't even know how to write this story because it's just, it's a horrible story. It is bizarre. It's it's weird. And that's, so the art in this story was, again, the psychological side of it yeah and there was a lot of that part too that i didn't put in because my last one was so psychologically written i'm like well but you can it was brilliant it was fun but you mean it but yeah but this is fucked yeah um yeah so eventually he got over the whole hustling and he found god and would attend church regularly with regularly with his mom bullshit Uh uh only then only after then Mm -hmm. did he decide to start a killing spree Oh, see, makes sense. Yeah, right? totally. Okay. Find God, you start killing people. Yeah. I understand. So apparently, as per Marcello, could be Marcello, whatever. It was once he met a crossdresser that triggered him to start killing and never stop. He says, "One day when I was walking, I met a fourteen-year-old boy. A, I changed this word crossdresser. He used the word." Um, can I say transvestite? Yeah. But that's not all, always appropriate. Some people find it still offensive. Okay. I was reading up. So yeah. uh, we go with the term cross-dresser now. Um, because, and some people are okay with it, the transvestite word, but some people are not. So I I want to be very, because um, it's different than transgendered. Right. Right. So cross-dresser is the more appropriate it- term and I thought maybe it'd be good to mention because I was still on the fence and thinking that it was still slightly appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did look it up to see and it, it is, some people do take offense to it. It's it's more, um, it has a negative connotation associated with it. Yeah, and I think um, it became like just sexually based okay. kind of thing is what I was reading one, one article about it. And then they said, it doesn't mean that you can't cross dress to get your sexual kicks too because mm-hmm. everybody has different fetishes. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's a little bit more open-ended in that sense. Yeah. Okay. So I thought no, I totally get that. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. That was awesome. I, I had to look it up because I didn't, I didn't know. Hey, knowledge is power. It is. And it's helpful. Uh, so Marcelo recalled in an interview with Epoca Magazine 2003. Okay. <clears throat> he propositioned me to go to a hotel with him. I had sex with him and kissed him on the mouth. I paid him 50 reas. I never got to see him again, but it sparked the desire for new boys. As I didn't find another one like him, I ended up forcing myself on others. I always took them to a deserted spot. The sadism went to my head. 
I ended up killing some of them. I do not remember their faces very well. The first one I caught was in Niteroy. I only know that his name was Anderson. I offered him money. I said he could help me light some candles in the church. I took him to a deserted place. When we got there, I raped him. I then strangled him with his own shirt. I returned to the spot where the body was three times to see if anyone had discovered anything. Nobody ever suspected me. So that's fucked up. And I'm like, I didn't even want to read it. But then I read it and I'm thinking, if I have to fucking read it twice, you got to know how fucking Yeah, that's this is. fucked. But this is his mindset. So I told you before, he got caught. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, he got caught. So this case, like I said, uh, I'll say later on too, a lot of um, psychologists and big heavy duty doctors like looked into this case yeah. and him. And one girl, I forget her name because I didn't write it down because I didn't want to get too weirdy, but sh- she's she's a doctor top notch says that she does she didn't believe that serial killers are made she thinks that they're born oh. and this case specifically is not like the Dahmer case like this guy is just gone he w- you believe he was born a serial killer is that kind that's of- what she said and she, okay. I'll, well, I'll talk a little bit about it after but he's he's like a special kind of serial killer like for yeah. example um one girl said She's interviewed 80 serial killers. That's yeah. what she does. Talks to serial After his interview, and she interviewed John Wayne Gacy and everything. After his interview, she was sick in bed for four days. She's like, I couldn't. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 So that's him with the kid, Anderson. He went on to kill 13 other street kids using the same tactics. Lure, rape, strangle, beat. And then he would also have sex with their corpses. He would then bury them in shallow graves. Um, Do you think that is because, uh, just hypothetically speaking, because his first victim where he just left the body and returned to it three times to see if anyone paid attention to it, do you think he might have shallow graved those bodies he because returns, he wanted he returns to his victims oh yeah wait, wait, he return, he, so his thing shit. he kills them so i don't know when he buries them in shallow graves yeah i don't know if it's because nobody finds them but he his thing is he goes back to the scene of the crime so for a few days um he'll leave he'll, he'll leave trays of food for the victims and offerings as well really yeah that's and then very interesting yeah yeah and he would also, by the way, keep their shorts as trophies. And by okay. shorts, I think that was like underwear. Be my next question. Now, his pretty boys, he would call them. Um, he killed them so that they can go to heaven. Also, I should say that on two occasions, they found this and he admitted uh, he would spend the entire night drinking the blood of his victim. So he would like crack their heads open and would drink their blood. Apparently, so that he can stay, uh, be as young and as cute as they were. Oh, that's weird. Yes. And because of this, he earned the nickname, the Vampire of Rio. I know that there is many stories, especially like in the like 1600s of many uh, uh, aristocrats or aristocats um, <laughs> bathing in the blood of a uh, a freshly killed victim because they had they thought it was uh, a way to preserve youth but this is a whole nother batshit well that reminds me of the story that I still haven't done 
the girl who I was for Halloween. <gasps> yes. That. You were supposed to do that. I know. That's okay. I'll do it. We'll get there. Well, and originally the one I wanted to do this week, I didn't do because I'm like, I think it, I think I need more research on that one. So I didn't do it. So I'll that's okay. That. This is good. So back to the religion thing. Okay. So he attended, just talked about his religion. He attended the controversial universal Church of Kingdom of God, founded by Adir Masendo, a state lottery employee turned American style evangelist. And it is, or was, but I think it says so is, the fastest growing religion religion in Brazil and now has branches in 172 countries. Right. So Joe blow up the street goes, mm-hmm. I'm a messiah. I can talk to God. You, you know should it. all follow me. It started in 1977. Always got a fierce criticism, it says. So he would take 10% of his like people, like people that joined income, uh-huh. 10%. Um, which, uh, of, yeah, of the people, sorry, I lost my spot because I was just talking to you eye to eye. Um, and then he would promise them that he would give them the money back with interest within their lifetime. So this was really appealing to people who didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. Because they knew, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give them the money that I have. And I'm going to get so, like, 10% of their paycheck all the time. And I'm going to get so much money back, like, at some point. And it's going to be awesome because all the interest, right? Yeah, like you're buying shares in a company. Yeah. But you're buying shares in a cult. Yeah. See, I would join a cult if that was the case. (laughs) If I could do that. If I could double my... <laughs> and my value. Jenna now joined a cult. We had a good run. Remember her? She was wonderful. She used to have purple knit hair. Now she shaves her head and she wears a robe. <laughs> I've never seen her again. Hey, that sounds fun though. Jenna. I'm sorry. I will not join don't a cult. Join a cult. Mm-hmm. Say no. I'm just gonna call you instead. Okay. Okay. I'll yeah. call you. If I join a cult. Okay. <clears throat> join a cult called Julie. Um because <laughs> I wanna do it too if you're gonna do it. Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> anyway, so during these ceremonies, um, they would be, do this uh, ritual thing called casting out of the demons, okay, which fascinated Marcelo. It sounds like a haunted house ride, yeah. like Canada's Wonderland almost. Casting of the demons. They would do this all the time. So every ceremony, there'd be this section where you have to, and la, 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 that's oh, just me no, making no, it up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, cool. So the demons were responsible for like, a lot of people's problems like homosexuality which was a disease oh yeah they yeah in their eyes was a disease uh so to this day marcello still says he was possessed by demons and the spirit that made him do it because they like children's blood Mm -hmm. so during his killing spree he would still attend church four times a week and the ceremonies were five hours long what how do you have time to do anything else if you go four times a week and five hours long this reminds me of an episode of 90 day fiance (laughs) i always find a way to come back and i think it was um i forget the guy's name now but i think they went to thailand and then he had to go to a church ceremony with his fiance with the family and they have videos of it and i try not to judge people's religion but some of the videos of the faces and the people but it was a five hour long ceremony oh no. my gosh no no there was there's not enough love in the world um the wow. priest once told him that boys who died under the age of 13 automatically went to heaven 
So he right. misunderstood this message that the priest was trying to preach, I guess. Um, so he thought he was freeing the boys from the slums and making sure that they would go to heaven. So before they sinned or anything like because they automatically had a gateway to heaven. Wow. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, we as we all know, like God forgives everything. So I'm sure him also going to these ceremonies was a way for him to go, oh, I'm here. I'm doing my part. God forgave me for... I don't... I don't... God doesn't forgive everything in every religion. Well... In the Catholic religion, you admit guilt, you are forgiven. Yes. But in this one, there's demons, there's hell. But I think you could be exercised from your demons. So I guess that's instead of their forgiveness. Ah, all right, all right. But anyway, so... But if you're 13 and under, he thought... You could just go straight to heaven. Doesn't matter if you did anything. You it's could go all blurred to lines, anyways. Yeah. When you really think about it. So this is also why he didn't target girls because girls didn't go to heaven. Wait. Just the boys did because the priest said boys go to heaven. And also he adds that the boys were just prettier. <laughs> so oh how he finally got caught. This is not a good story. No. No, I'm sorry. Is it getting worse? It's bad. Oh. It's, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's bad. Okay. So on December 11th, 1991, brothers Altair, who's 10 years old, and Ivan, who's six, were picked up by Marcelo, who offered them $20, I guess American money. So it was like 3,000 reyes or something like that. Uh, if they both accompanied him while he lit candles in the nearby church. The boys were super into it and said yes. Uh, but as soon as he had them on their own, Marcelo turned to Altair, the 10-year-old brother, and made him kiss him. <gasps> Altair tried to run, but Marcelo was too quick, grabbed him, and threw him on the ground. He then turned his attention to Ivan and started strangling him. This is a quote from Altair. Do you want me to see it, read it? Yep. Okay. So the 10-year-old brother. He says, that's the one he threw down, and then, and then Marcelo turned the attention to the 6-year-old brother. So Altair says, I was paralyzed by fear. I could not run away as he recalled. I watched in horror, tears streaming down my cheeks as he killed and then raped my brother. So when it was done, Marcelo moved towards Altair, opened his arms wide, and the boy could smell his dead brother on him. He thought for sure he was going to be murdered, but instead Marcelo just told him that he had sent his brother to heaven and then said to Altair, I love you. Altair, being scared for his life, agreed to spend the night with Marcelo. So Marcelo had this whole story, and Altair was just like, yeah, Altair was like, yeah, 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 okay. Like, which, I guess, it's that fight or flight thing, right? Yeah. And they slept in the bushes behind a gas station. The next morning, Marcelo took the boy to work with him mm. in the tourist distri- district of Cocacabana, where he handed out flyers for jewelry stores. Uh, once there, Altair managed to escape and make it home to his mother. He actually didn't tell his mother right away what had happened. He, it was like he he said he lost his brother, which I guess he was scared. And then his he had a sister and his sister eventually, I think it was like three or four days later, got out the information of what mm-hmm. happened. Because you're terrified. Yes. So he said everything. He was The brother was raped and killed and whatever and who this Marcelo guy was and where he worked and all that stuff. So in the meantime, Marcelo, who revisited his this, his scenes all the time and would leave, as I said, food, trays, and offerings to the victims. Dude was really fucked up. He had revisited Ivan to tuck his hands into his pockets so that the rats wouldn't eat his fingers. Oh, my God. 
And instead of making a run for it, he continued his regular routine and went to work handing up flyers. And then he was arrested. Thank Christ. His murder spree started April of 1991 and ended December of 1991. That's it. That's the little gap of his murder spree. He confessed to Ivan's murder only, but two months later when his mother was called in for questioning, I don't know why that took two months, but whatever, she remembered how he borrowed her machete one time to <gasps> cut down um, banana leaves, but it came back smeared in blood. He then finally confessed to 13 other killings and led police to the burial sites. That murder, the banana, I, I did read that. I didn't always, I didn't add all the murders. It was just horrible. Mm-hmm. It was, um, he had killed he had killed this this boy in a field and he was like a soccer field or something and then went back to get the machete to cut off the head and when he asked why he did it he said um he was made fun of a lot in school and he goes well i cut off his head so that the other boys in heaven can make fun of him because he has no head so like you're sending him to heaven yet you're still you know like anyway yeah I'm speechless. It's I have things I'd like to say, but then I would be offending a lot of people. So we're gonna keep our comments to ourselves. <laughs> I'm sure we offend a lot of people anyway. That's true. On April 26, 1993, he was found insane by psychiatrists um, and was incapable of understanding his acts. Is what they say. <laughs> So he was sent to a psychiatric hospital in Rio. He was evaluated each year since that day and has been declared insane. A few big shot profilers had interviewed him. He was crazier than most other serial killers because he was truly mentally ill on an insane level. He didn't know right from wrong. People didn't even know how to treat him. He, he was like no other person. So they just drugged him to try to keep him calm. Even though he was very, very dangerous, and they say he would definitely 100% kill again given the chance, the security in the institution was quite lax, and Marcelo was able to walk out through the front door and escape. No. And I put escape with quotation marks. No. In January of 1997, a guard left the front door open, and Marcelo was on the run. No. For 12 days. (gasps) Of course, everyone went crazy over this. The police, the press. Thankfully, there were no reports of any children found dead or drained from their blood during this time. But what about and, missing? Do you know about anybody missing? Well, it didn't say okay. in the article or in, in Murderpedia either. Okay. Um, but. I'd be curious to see if. I think but, it'd be hard. Well, yeah. That, um, yeah, that it would be a hard thing to try to figure out and find. Because okay. he confessed to everything else and he never confessed to that, to anything else. So but he was found 3,000 kilometers away with a Bible, kind of trying to visit his father. But he was oh. on his way to the Holy Land is what he says. He told police that now that he had killed those kids, he is purified and needs not to kill again. <laughs> he now resides in a high security wing at the Enrique Roxo Hospital. He still thinks he's an evangelist. Oops. Touched uh, your booby. Touched my booby. And he will be back on the streets one day. No. That's what he thinks. Yep, that's what he thinks. Oh, he thinks. He oh, thinks. He's, he thinks he's an evangelist oh. and he'll be back on the streets one day. All he needs is the love of a good woman to keep him on the straight and narrow. Well, uh, dude, fuck yeah, no. you. Yeah. No. Oh, gross. That's, that's a disgusting, horrible um, story of the vampire of Rio. And like I said, there was like, you know, all the time there's different things you can read about and 
different interviewers that, like I said, were sick for days and yeah. um, just manipulating them. And they're saying that he was like no other. One of the um, profilers, yeah, a lot of profilers, but she interviewed like this one that interviewed like 80 serial killers. She interviewed mm-hmm. uh, John Wayne Gacy. Yes, John Wayne Gacy. And then when he died, she got his brain and she actually studied his brain what? and then he, his brain was in the basement of her house <gasps> so she donated the body to science and then kept the, his brain like wow that that that's crazy yeah i don't know if he gave her permission to keep the, his body but i mean personally i think that any criminal who I think in that situation, it should be automatically the body becomes the possession of the state yeah. for scientific purposes. Yeah. I think that I think that's what should happen so that we can study and understand um, the chemical it, it, chemical imbalance, you know, the body functions or it, all, all the different uh, here's the a, things. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. If you need a new heart... And a serial killer matched your heart and was stabbed in the head in jail and you can have his heart. Oh, that's fucked, eh? It's hard because you're not in that situation, so you don't know how. But if I was dying, like if I was yeah, yeah. so desperate. Yeah, you would have to take it. I wonder if they do that, though. Isn't that... There's a movie called Idle Hand. Do you remember the movie Idle Hand with Devin Sawa back in like this one? Yeah, yeah. And it, and his hand was like possessed by a demon. But then there was a or was that the movie where it was like they he got the hand of a serial killer? There's a movie out there about that and how like the hand comes alive and tries to kill people. There's a TV show. I'm not dim- diminishing nope. your hand story here. <laughs> Hang on here. TV show could have be been hands like. Off. <laughs> could have been like a not criminal minds but like a, kind of like a showy like that like not csi and cis something i don't know what it is but i'm picturing it right now and this guy was a murderer i don't know remember how many people he killed and he wanted to do good in life and he matched someone some person to give a like his heart to mm-hmm. and he said, or maybe his liver or something, he said, I want to do it. I want to do it. And he almost did it. But everybody was like saying he's such a horrible, bad guy that he's planning his escape. So they swore that he was doing this so that when he goes to the hospital, something, and they tried and then they stopped and then they tried and then they stopped and then they were right about to do it. And then they thought, I don't know if they thought he took meds so he wouldn't fall asleep. And they stopped. And I like, you want to believe I like... You want to believe he's good, but then you're like, no, he's totally doing this and he's trying to pull one over like the audience yeah. and the people because so many times you would see this. And in the end, they're like walking him back somewhere and he finally gets a hold of like the officer's gun somehow. And um, they're like, don't do it or whatever. And he's like, I'm telling you, I just wanted to do right and kills himself in the head so that they can rush him or whatever to the hospital so that he can give this heart to this like regular person it was messed up and i don't think it was a movie it was a show and it was i'm probably saying certain areas wrong but yeah he ended up killing himself to prove like no like this is it 
like give my my organs, organs to somebody. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, but that's like I mean, I guess at that point you want to save somebody that much to try to outdo. Yeah. Like, mm. If people aren't taking, I, I, I would not take a serial killer or a murderer very seriously if I was faced with them. So it would be very hard for me to sympathize and be like, yeah, sure. You want to give your heart to someone? That's no problem at all. So you have to go to the extremes to be able to actually prove to people that you really do want to make a change. But yeah, I'd be an interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a very interesting story. I'm curious to know what this is. I'm I'm let's report back. I want to know what it is. Yeah, because I'm sure this is different. I, f- I think it was just like it was like an episode somewhere. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a really interesting question about the serial killer organ transplant. I don't know what I would. Yeah, I, in, in reality, like I don't know what I would truly decide is would. Yeah. Hmm. Um, this I, is kind of a bummer. Like to end on this. Like, tell me something happy, and then yeah. Oh, um, let's see. What, what, we're having what? mini eggs. We're By having, the way, oh, you yeah. haven't had any, and I ate. Can I have one? More than so, half. Yeah, mini you eggs are like our fucking jam. Except we're not supposed to eat on the. Oh, that's right. I'll eat this in a minute. What's what's a, uh? We have a new we have a new pet. You do. Yeah, we have a little bit of a. One mousy issue, and we finally caught him. We're trying to give him a better life, for the most part. And so she put him in a terrarium. A terrarium. With, with, FYI, proper bedding. I do enjoy that. Couldn't tell from the photograph. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to be that person, but it is proper bedding. It is not the wood chips. Guys, rodents do not live in wood chips. Mm-mm. It is especially cedar wood chips, too. It might smell good to you, but it's very like toxic to the animals. Okay? So proper bedding with um water and the food choice is not excellent at this point um i did tell them that and and we will take heed of that thank you and then we'll buy seeds soon but they have crackers um and some we put a carrot the, in there the circle cracker by the way that's a gluten-free cracker right mm-hmm. from costco yeah that's yeah, mary's yes mary's, mary's original with seeds again i love those seeds. i love those ones. and it's got a paper towel roll and stuff and it's uh i have i only saw the tail Today, he's sleeping tonight. in the he's sleeping in the tube. You yeah. missed it because he was like out and about for just a little bit, and then as I told you, hey, he's out. He goes scurrying back into his little toilet tube, loo roll tube. But yeah, that's so Let's that's that's wheel. sort of my like happy my happy my uh, that's where my happy snace was. Aww, I was in my happy snace happy yesterday. Snace. What about you? I cleaned my studio today. And there's been a lot of stuff and I couldn't get to it because I was working on last week and mm-hmm. I haven't been feeling 100% the greatest. And, um, you know, and then with that and, and, and just being so tired. So tired. So tired. Um, it's been a little hard, but today I was like, no, I went to the store. I went to Home Depot and I bought a bunch of cleaning supplies and I went and I cleaned the floor that was super full of dust. So I vacuumed <laughs> and... I still had to pass the uh, the broom and vacuumed again and then mop the floor and I had to mop all of my chairs because they're f- covered in drywall dust. And then I had to clean the windows with a hot rag, the inside and the outside. And that's when I almost got killed by the birds. Oh, yeah. And then I windexed the inside. I tried windexing the outside, but it froze because it's freezing out here and it's just, but it looks so good right now. I'm so fucking proud of you. Thank you. You like, you do know, you know how proud I am of you for 
this was a big leap for you. I think anyone to do, to take on this journey and, and become like a legit business owner. Like this is a legit, you have a fucking storefront. I feel like I'm still in the leaping motion where, you know, once I'm open and maybe I have some clients. On a website. And a website. (laughs) It'll be good. I feel like I'm still up in the air trying to take that leap or actively into that leap. Yeah. Um, It'll be good at that point once I land. You're about to land on your feet. Yeah. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you. (laughs) <laughs> oh you're such a big girl now you're all grown up let's not get carried away now i'm well, supposed to be but you're you're you look like a big kid with you know the mind of a the mind and spry of a young child spry is that right yeah maybe i don't know i'm french <laughs> senyard <laughs> Shippo. Uh, what's, what's the, what's that French phrase that you want me to say when I'm over, over in Paris? Oh yeah, I'm going to Paris. Oh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, minute la. Oh, whoa, whoa, minute la. Wait, hold on. Let's reverse that. Whoa, whoa, minute la. I'm going, going to, to Paris. Paris. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> what are we going to do for recording? I don't know. Maybe I'll record live while I'm there inside the catacombs. <gasps> yeah, oh. I'm excited. Food, Bonjour. art, and dead bodies. Ici, aujourd'hui en Paris. <laughs> uh, salut, bonjour. Comment tu parles-tu? Um, Où est la bibliothèque? <laughs> Anana? <laughs> Anana. How long have we been recording for? Can you see? No, where does it say? I don't know. Oh, it's top. two hours. Two, oh, oh boy. Just under two hours. It's 9.30. All right. You need to get home. Guys, thanks for listening. And As for always. And fantastic, upbeat stories that we have here. Totally. And don't forget to uh, rate. Wait. Review. Review. Rate. Subscribe. subscribe. On iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all that jazz. So it's really good if you subscribe and then you actually download the episodes. That That's what actually ranks us. Yeah, so if you just click us. download, you don't even have to listen if you don't want to. No. But you should. You should. Just download it and then rate review like rate it and then if you write a little review like that was cool or yay or i'm depressed too you know what i mean something like that Mm -hmm. that helps us totally um with that just write ambient toast in the comments yeah that'd be nice that'd be cool i mean you could say oh julie and jenna i'm in love with you Mm -hmm. you're fantastic but i'm not gonna stalk you like things like that that would be be great yeah please put in there i will not stalk you just to clarify but uh yeah you could do that or uh, you could also email us too if you feel like it art of murder at G- oh wait wait what is it oh my god I've, it's been so long art of murder podcast at, at gmail.com gmail. jesus um it's send a- us your hometown murders yeah are your favorite murders yeah send us some suggestions can we say your favorite murders yeah we can yeah we can yeah yeah, yeah. favorite murders any suggestions if you've got Those suggestions are good yeah help us out art art related murders you can help us out with yeah that. send us your art Oh, sure. Send us your art if you want to. Julie charges $100 an hour for art consultations if you'd like her to critique your work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm expensive. You are. Well, we need to pay for this podcast somehow. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, The Art of Murder on Instagram. You can follow us or you can find us on Facebook. Just search The Art of Murder or T, what is it? T-A-O-M podcast. 
Um, yeah, we're we're everywhere. We have a website, theartofmurder.ca. But you know, be our friends. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for listening. As always, we love you. Ambient, Ambient toast. toast. Till it's still sunny at 9 40 at night is it no i just i can't wait oh yeah it's definitely not still sunny when now. the sun's still out at 9 30 when the sun's still out when the sun meets the night time <laughs> it's a good time <laughs> come on I, you got another one you know, let's go sunshine and day Oh no. A new day. Ah, a new day. Ah. There's a sun in that song, but I thought it was in the chorus. Here comes the sun by the Beatles. I don't remember the mm, I don't remember the tune. I forget it. And awkward silence. <laughs> song like the uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band the rain and something May <laughs> fucking the yeah. rain in May <laughs> not the rain in Spain the, no like it's like hang on um like <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely yeah come on come on, come on. son so won't you come out now come on son like, the sunshine song. The sunshine song. Like all the raindrops no, and then the drops and guns. It's off. like a song, like a singer dude. A, song. <laughs> a, a singer dude. Oh, I just dropped mini eggs. Don't keep them. Good. Catch them. <clears throat> That's good. Like, Sun, sunshine and day. No. Uh, I thought I had it. It's like, where's our music man? May, may, may. Come on, the sunshine song. The sunshine song. Um, <laughs> it, there's the word may in it, if it just before it says the something. The word may is in it? Like you're sad and then you're my sunshine. Not you are my sunshine. You are my, my sunshine, no. my only sunshine. You make me happy. I mean, that would be the sunshine song, but that's not what I'm. You never know, dear, oh, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. Hey. <laughs> Sunshine. Sunshine of your love? Uh, I'm so no? pissed right okay. now. Um, oh, there's a lot of sunshine songs. Walking on sunshine is pretty good. <laughs> I don't even know. Okay. When the sun's out, I'm running May. When the fall's out, and that's the month of May. I, I got, got you say what can make me feel this way my, girl. my girl, at the by the temptation that's not the sunshine but the song says yes. sunshine right at the beginning i've got sunshine, sunshine. 
in the month of May. Oh my! And now it's not as cool because it took oh, forever. To uh, see, if I would have said that right at the beginning, like we were doing all the sign, I'm like, I've got sunshine, and then it would have made sense. But now it went so long that yes, I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside. I've got the month of May. I guess you say what can make me feel this way. It's Jenna, Jenna, Julie, talking about Julie. Jenna, 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 This is the song you are thinking of. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore and ever again. Tears for Fears did this song. Ugh. Of course, Tears for Fears. Oh my god. That was good. I just remembered Sunshine. It would have been so much now. It was like an epic Sunshine song, and it wasn't even a Sunshine song. It was a My Girl song. I had no clue where you were going. There was May in that there. Was there was the word Sunshine in May. That was amazing.